Thank you very much. And um, why should we have to explain President Trump? I think most conservatives and most uh, reasonable Americans have a sense of his style and his uh, kind of off the cuff, uh, at times unsettling style of communicating. But the way the left portrays it, to at times uh, we need to come in and um, and point a few things out. Now, President Trump is now involved in a controversy from the left perspective in that um, he stated at a public event that he felt that some Democrats at the national at the uh, State of the Union address were, quote, treasonous. Now, he said it in response to someone in the audience who said it, and he goes, yeah, I guess so. I guess you could say they're treasonous after he had said that they were un-American. And the left is taking this to say, look, this is they feed it into their narrative that somehow President Trump is authoritarian, which is the exact opposite is the truth. And they say, you see, he's going to call people criminals and he wants to, you know, treason is a crime that could lead to execution in the Constitution. I mean, this is like a strong man, you know, kind of strong armed statement. When in fact he said it half in jest and he said it as, a, as kind of an offhanded remark in response to someone in the audience. Now, what we, I think that, um, you know, everything that Trump says is going to be fed into that, um, that paradigm that he's authoritarian, that he has something against minorities. And, and no matter what he does or says, that's going to be the, 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 the narrative. But uh, the fact is that he was commenting on the behavior of some of the Democrats at the Demo at the State of the Union address, which was really pretty ugly. You know, you had Nancy Pelosi there scowling and looking really, really like she was about to erupt and um, Steenie Hoyer next to her. And um, it's been reported by many, and I didn't notice it. I did watch the speech, but it's been reported that she was looking around at other Democrats to make sure that nobody applauded and nobody stood up. And uh, almost like she was there taking names, like some kind of a commissar. And, you know, this applauding during such things as, um, you know, the story, you know, the story of the parents of Otto Wambier, which is, it was absolutely heartbreaking story. And, and you know, they, they stood up and were acknowledged and honored by the president. And, and, and the father was crying and it was just extremely painful and heartbreaking to watch this and to think about the utter viciousness and cruelty of, of North Korea. And, and yet the, uh, the Democrats refused to acknowledge it. They refused to applaud. Same thing with the two couples, both of whom happened to be black from Long Island, whose two daughters were murdered in cold blood as they walked to their high school by MI5 gang members. Um, you know, they were there, you know, weeping and they were being acknowledged. They were very moved by the, the fact that the president of the United States was acknowledging them. And that, by the way, is a tradition in State of the Union addresses. And yet the, the Democrats couldn't bring themselves to even acknowledge them or applaud them. What a disgrace. And uh, the third point I'll make is that um, when President Trump mentioned that um, unemployment in the black community is at an all-time low, and is the lowest since records have been kept, probably the lowest ever. The uh, the the the, the, uh, the black uh, congressional caucus, congressional black caucus, they they sat there just you know looking stone faced, and they refused to acknowledge or applaud 
a, a basic fact. I mean, something that would be good for their community. What does that say about their leadership of the black community? I mean, where are their loyalties anyways? Are their loyalties with actually helping black people or are their loyalties with a democratic party that demands full, you know, fealty and, and you have to bow down and if Nancy Pelosi sees you look this way or look that way, you'll end up being drummed out and put in the back bench and being penalized. Seems to me to be the latter, the latter is the case. So that's what President Trump was responding to. I personally think that to say it's treasonous is much too overboard. It's really not, you know, it's language that, that's beyond. And he did say it in jest, but the spirit of it is right. And I think when President Trump communicates, he doesn't use the old, you know, kind of official language where everything is couched and everything is, you know, they do a survey to find out what he should say about this and that. He does speak from the cuff. He's a businessman. That's, it's got him in trouble. But I think that Americans need to understand that that's his style. Um, you know, in fact, his off-the-cuff comments have led to accusations that he's obstructed justice when any, he couldn't be further from the truth. Um, I'll give a simple example. When he had his infamous meeting with uh, FBI Director James Comey, and he said to Comey that he would like him to speed up the investigation of General Flynn, um, you know, because he felt that Flynn is innocent and because, or even if Flynn had done some kind of misdemeanor, it really was a drag, not just on him personally, um, you know, and it was hurtful toward a good man, but it also was a drag on the administration to have this cloud over it. And could they kind of move the thing along? Can they get this thing done? And, um, you know, and furthermore, could you come out with a statement acknowledging that I am not under investigation, which is a perfectly reasonable thing for any president to ask for? Well, unfortunately, President Trump didn't realize that he was sitting across an arched enemy, somebody who's out to get him, somebody that now we know from the release of the Pfizer requests was actually involved in, a, in an event to try to spy on him using this phony dossier as an excuse, you know, which, of course, if that does prove to be true, would, would be criminal. Um, and that this was part of a, uh, I would call it, frankly, a conspiracy to undermine Trump, to get Trump. So he wasn't talking to the right person. He wasn't talking to a friendly source. And then obviously what happened is that Comey, sure enough, went out after he was fired and he got revenge by, by leaking classified information to a reporter or to a professor uh, who then leaked it to the New York Times. And um, then he made the accusation that because Trump had asked that this investigation be moved along, that that constitutes obstruction of justice, that he actually was trying to suppress, <clears throat> if not stop, the investigation, which, of course, on the surface of it, is untrue. But anyone who looks at how President Trump communicates knows that it's untrue. He's talking like a businessman. That's how he's used to talking to people. So I think that we need to understand, just to wrap things up here, well, how President Trump communicates. He doesn't communicate in the old-fashioned diplomatic language of double talk and sophistries, which I think is good. He communicates like a businessman. He talks to people, asks people to do things to get things done. And that is, once we understand that, <clears throat> once we realize, and I think most people do, 
then we can understand President Trump's motivations and that he is not a politician or a professional provocator, you know, prevaricator, I guess you'd say, in that he does not understand the language of misinformation and lies like most, if not all, other politicians that I can think of have understood and have practiced. So that's those are my thoughts for today. I want to thank you for watching, everybody, and, and have a nice day.